Before we jump into today's conversation, let's take a moment to acknowledge our amazing sponsor, the Academy of Therapy Wisdom. Oh my gosh, we love this platform. They're the place I go now for all my CEUs. Stay tuned for a special offer at the end of the show. Please join us for our next live online workshop, Integrating Mind and Heart, April 3rd through 6th of 2024. This is an experiential, active workshop designed to engage you in brain states that promote relational learning. If you want to get closer, say the things that usually go unspoken and trust each other and yourself. To get through the hard moments, this is the workshop for you. Go to whydoesmypartner.com to learn more and register. Welcome to the Why Doesn't My Partner podcast. I'm Jules. I'm Vicki. And I'm Rebecca. We're your hosts. We're also couples therapists and messy humans bumbling through our own relationships every day. We met through our training and practice of relational life therapy. Between us, we have more than 40 years of experience holding hard relational questions with our clients. We're going to bring those questions here. And together, we're going to take a stab at answering those questions. This podcast is not a substitute for therapy. If something you hear in this podcast stirs something deep within you about your relationship, reach out to a couples therapist in your area. All right, and let's dive in with today's listener question. Why doesn't my partner think about everything that has to get done all day the way I do? So many couples have this dynamic. Mm-hmm. It, it even has a name in the psychobabbleland. Classic overfunctioning, underfunctioning. Oh. Yes, yeah. I've heard you use that term before. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I like so that term. It's just a dynamic between two people where one person just takes on more of the work and the other person mm-hmm. takes on a little less the work. And then over the years, it's just kind of automatic mm-hmm. for the person who's taking on a little bit less, kind of not to have to think about it. So they don't. Right. Because Jules, right when you said when one person takes on more of the work, my next thought was not the other person takes on less. It was the other person lets them. Because I got to tell you, if my husband's going to take on more of the work, I'm going to let him. By the way, can we give a shout out to your husband who cooks and cleans and is <laughs> incredible that he he's like, Eyes he's like, clothes. The, totally. And I'm going to give a shout out to my husband who I I don't remember doing the, la- the last time I did laundry. I have no idea. <laughs> Like, bless him. He took it over. I, I do do the laundry, but no, he's very helpful in the house. Yes, he is. So totally. thank you for that shout out. He does a lot. Oh, my God. Yeah, my he's amazing. My husband mm-hmm. cooks dinner almost every night, but I did cook tonight, yeah. so I can't. Nice. <laughs> Good for you. You stepped out. <laughs> I did. I did. But did. we do share a lot of those kinds of pieces. Totally. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of us, it was not always like that. Mm-mm. It was for me, but I understand I'm not the norm. I do want to say that. You didn't grow up in a home like that though too, did you? Or did you? Well, that's a really good question. So I, I have no memories of who did what when they, when my parents were together and then my dad moved out when I was 11. So my mom did everything. Mm -hmm. Um, and then when my stepdad came along when I was 14, my mom did everything. So no, mm-hmm. I grew up in a house where the woman did everything. That is true. Yeah. Never thought mm-hmm. about that until that question mm-hmm. right yeah. then, Rebecca, but yeah. Yeah. I grew up in a, okay. in a house with roles pretty divided. So 
Interesting. The men in my world's and I was raised in different households because mm-hmm. my parents are also divorced. So sometimes with my dad, sometimes with, them, with my mom, but in both worlds, for the most part, men worked and women took care of more of what a lot of people call invisible work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. yes, it's the cooking and the cleaning stuff, but also like thinking through like meal planning. Mm-hmm. Or just noticing that something needs to get done. Yeah. Planning or, play dates. Right. Getting people between different things that they have to do every day, like mm-hmm. chauffeuring and carpooling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I grew up with that more traditional split. In my dad's second marriage, he was married to a surgeon. So they both went to work and nobody did it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I did it. <laughs> and how old were you then? Uh, I moved in with my dad when I was about 15. Okay. Wow. So I yeah. grew up in a, in a home where both of my parents worked. My mom had a school schedule, so she would often kind of drive us all around and do all that stuff. And my, one of my big memories is actually like after dinner, when everybody's like trying to help out and clean up, my mm-hmm. dad would just sit there and be like, oh, you guys missed a spot. You missed that. You missed that. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, he, was, he would just point out the things. Um, mm-hmm. That's not that uncommon. Totally. And my mom right. did work. So my mom worked a full-time job, but she was also cooking dinner every night. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. sometimes we wouldn't eat dinner until like nine or nine 30. Cause she got yeah, home she got at like home so seven and still it's her job. And yeah. 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 So back to our question then, and mm-hmm. this over-functioning and this under-functioning dynamic, like I think we've all just painted some pictures Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it does not always have to be men are on one side, women are on the other. True, Because I've seen plenty of same-sex couples in my practice who have this same dynamic. It's really more of like, like how, do, how are we thinking about these roles in the and relationship? I've mm-hmm. also seen a lot of couples in my practice recently in the past few years where men are taking on more of the over-functioning roles in, in heterosexual mm-hmm couples where I'm seeing a lot more men taking on a lot more of those roles and a lot of the women kind of sitting back more. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think when we get into this, we can get into a space where um, we're talking about over-functioning, under-functioning. And it sounds like we're saying the over-functioner is really hard worker, heroic, and the under-functioner is a lazy bum. And I want to be really clear. That is not what I'm not saying. It. Correct. <laughs> I'm just right. saying that for anybody who heard that. Mm-hmm. Through this, I appreciate that. That is right. not true because there's actually a relational dynamic here that's happening. Yeah. And in the history of time, the people who have done more of the invisible work do happen to fall in one gender. Traditionally, historically, it's been yeah. women. I'm just going to name it. Mm-hmm. Well, and if, if we look at the history, right, like especially the history of this country, mm-hmm. men often came here first and then mm-hmm. women followed later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. Just, just yeah. the history of how like people came yeah. um, to colonize this land. Right. Well, and I would even say not even just colonizing the land because my grandparents came in the 1900s and it was still the husband came and then he like went back to get her. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it was the husbands, came, I mean, man, husbands, I'm assuming mm-hmm. they're married. They weren't always married. Um, came to what? Like, get settled and get everything ready. I don't even know. And then went back. Make money. Establish some sort sure. of homestead. Yes, yes mm-hmm. thank you. Um, yeah, and then went back to the quote unquote old country to bring I want to say the herd that I don't in my family there weren't kids yet so it really yeah uh, bringing the wife to come well you know what else I'm thinking about is um Mm. so my stepdad grew up on a farm in Iowa and he it was super traditional Catholic family lots of kids but there was something really different about growing up on a farm I think um just from stories I've heard from him and his siblings in that Everybody worked all the time because there's so much That's freaking do. Farms. <laughs> and nobody went to work somewhere else. So it didn't sure. feel the same as it has since the industrial revolution where people left the home to work. So now we have right. some jobs that happen at the house and other jobs that happen away from the house. And the roles got split a lot more. And so I'm just wondering, eh, maybe that has some to do with how this happened too. Plus, we'll just we can we can say the word patriarchy. I said it. <laughs> you did. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> but I want to I just want to like acknowledge for just a second how hard that is on everyone. Because mm-hmm. this is a power mm-hmm. over hierarchical structure of relationship. And there are lots of power over structures of relationship in the world. Mm-hmm. And I do not think of them as relationally healthy. I think that they're not relationally healthy for everybody that's part of the system. A hundred percent. Whether you're right. the person who's the, the person or the part of the system that is holding the power over, or you're the person or the part of the system that is in the power under position and being oppressed. Correct. It doesn't matter if you're the oppressor or the oppressed. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if you're in power over or power right. under. It mm-hmm. is unhealthy for everyone. That's right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is really super unhealthy for everybody. And I also want to acknowledge that whoever's in the power under position hurts more and feels that more and is the likelier one to complain. Yes. Mm-hmm. So sometimes when we have like an overfunction or underfunction or dynamic in a relationship, sometimes it's built in with like a power over power under structure. And a lot of times the person doing the invisible work is in the power under position and it hurts. It's exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a feeling of, you don't see me. Do I matter? Right. You know Mm -hmm. all of the stuff that I'm holding. Do you even know what I'm doing? I do know Mm -hmm. how much I do around here. Yeah, totally. And I can't even tell you how many times I've heard that. Um, in, in my office or with mm-hmm. friends, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and so let's name it, let's stop and name it that this is, this is happening. This is like a, and even when it's not okay to say it in certain circles, right. So we hold our tongues, then that doesn't mean it's not happening in the background. And if we don't put it out here and say, Hey, how would it be to move from power over to power with? So when we say power over, here's some dynamics of what that means is power is thought of as finite resource that power is something you either have or do not have. There's an up position and down position. 
that power is something that you take and it's fear-based. Power with is power is infinite. Mm -hmm. The more I empower you, the more empowered I become. Power with is saying, well, it's (laughs) love-based. Power with is (laughs) love-based. Let's just be super clear about it. Power with is like all about compassion and generosity. So I could have Mm -hmm. a dynamic where one of us takes on more roles around the house and one of us takes on more roles outside the house in in work world. And And have that be power power with. Right. That can be a power with. It is not about who's doing dishes. It's never about who's doing dishes. It's about, right? It's about, it's not about who remembers the dishes need to be done. You know what's (laughs) coming up for me right now? Yeah, yeah, what? I'm I'm thinking about contempt. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking oh, of, right? Yes. Like I'm thinking about contempt. I'm thinking about compassion, right? So on yep. one hand, we have contempt. This is the power over. Over. And on the other mm-hmm. hand, we have the power with, and this is compassion. And we talk about this all the time. Like when we're teaching people about self-esteem work, we're talking essentially about power over or power with. That's right. So healthy self-esteem lives in power with because everyone has the same amount of worth and that worth is vast. But if we're in a mm-hmm. power over dynamic, then one person isn't a better than and another person's in a less than. One person is kind of in that elevated, mm-hmm. um, grandiose place mm-hmm. and the other person is more in a shame-based, I'm not good enough place. Totally. totally. And let me, let me run this by you guys. I don't think I've ever said this out loud before to anybody. So push back on me if you think I've got this wrong. So I see plenty of couples from a wide age range. Some of them would be considered more in boomer generation Mm -hmm. and some of them would be more in younger generations. I've noticed a difference between them in this particular way is, is in gen Xers and millennials right? Which I see a ton of. I'm only 44. So I often see people who are in that age range. So I'm a Gen Xer. Um, The ones who are older hold one person in the power position and one person in the under power. Whereas in order to like gain more equality is what it feels like. This is like theory by jewels. I've been noticing Um, this too. Um, that instead they're trying to do more equal, but we, but everybody's been raised in a power over culture. So they don't know how, so Mm -hmm. they just switch really fast. (laughs) Who gets to win? Who's on top? Are you seeing that? I'm totally seeing it. I don't know if I am or not. Can you give me an example? Yes, I probably am. And I just don't know how to name it. So you're saying that the older generation Uh is the one who's flipping. Or no, no, the younger generation. The younger younger generation generation toggles really, really toggles. They 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 do. They toggle super, super quick. Super, super quick. And what I'm seeing is that the younger generation, they come in with the same problems. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. The the dynamics Mm -hmm. and the issues and what they're the overfunctioning, the underfunctioning, the power with the um, versus power over. Like it's all the same stuff that we're working on. Mm -hmm. But there's more, it's it's almost like genders become more fluid. And so the Mm -hmm. way that they carry their gender Mm -hmm. roles also becomes more fluid. And whether they're a heterosexual couple or a lesbian couple or a gay couple, like there's, there's a fluidity around who's in the power over position, but they still have the power switching dynamics. Yes. 
Yes. Our over dynamic has not okay. changed. So, in, but, but because we don't have a vision for how to do power with, we're just trying to make it better. And in trying to make it better, well, I don't want to, I, I was talking to someone not too long ago who was saying, well, my mom was resentful of being mm-hmm. taken advantage of by her husband and I don't want to live that life. Yeah. So I won't. And what was happening is they were rapidly moving back and forth, trying to become more contemptuous than the other one. Like who gets to be the most contemptuous? And I have a name for that. Yeah. What is it? I call that matriarchy that like neither is healthy. It's when the women go, the women follow the unhealthy model of patriarchy and still want the power over rather than both coming. And I think I actually might've gotten that for Terry's book. I'm not going to lie, but he doesn't call it matriarchy. And so I tell my couple. It's still patriarchy. It's just, it's it's still the dynamic of, because matriarchy, I think, I think of differently. Sure. Right. I, I, I think I know what you're but saying. But I, I think I, I know what you're saying too. Yes. And and it's yes. like um I, I think yeah, I'm getting choked yeah, on my no, words, but no, here's here's what I think mm-hmm. it is. I think it's like, oh, we only have a model for power over, but we want more equality. And everybody does. That's yes. No, but here's the thing is is everybody does. Yeah. And they're saying, Yes, I agree with you. Let's do this differently. Let's have a different kind of marriage than we saw growing up. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's have a different kind of marriage than some other people do. Let's figure out how to do it equal. You matter. Right. Mm-hmm. And I matter. And we're going to make this equal, but because there's no map to follow about power with because nobody's seen it, yes. we accidentally end up just flipping fast. <laughs> who's on top in the power over dynamic. So there's keys though, to move from power over mm-hmm. dynamics to power with and toggling who's on top will it's, not work. That's not it. I think there's another dynamic in there. Mm. And I think it it has a lot to do with the infusion of equal rights and feminism and mm-hmm. um, women working and wanting to earn as much as men work and wanting to value themselves in certain ways. Mm-hmm. And which all makes complete sense. Like, mm-hmm. like why do men earn more per dollar, you know, than, than women do right. like, you know, those kinds of pieces. And I think in the context of the family dynamic that's evolving over the years, there's this women still often want to prove themselves, you know, like I can support Mm -hmm. our family. Mm -hmm. I, Mm -hmm. I can. Right. And so there's, there's societal pieces that come in, in an overarching way to the family system. Totally. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't think we get to deny, and this is what one of the things that drew me to the relational life therapy model was that I don't think we can look at a family system outside of culture. Yeah. And that, that each okay. person in that family is raised in a culture. And I'm just a systemic thinker this way, I guess, but thinking about how the cultures that work, the cultures I was raised with, wherever it was I grew up, whatever my family system looked like growing up, what what influence did they have? And most of is our families all gonna... are in a power over exactly type of system. So can we give people a tool? We oh, love tools. Please. You know, mm-hmm. you know, we love tools. So let's give one tool that helps move from a power over dynamic to a power with dynamic. And this one is a hard one. And mm-hmm. I love, I want Rebecca, I want you to bring in Bonnie Badnock on this one because I think she has a really good explanation of why. So the tool is direct request, Yeah, but direct request can be hard. Can you share Bonnie's thesis about why? 
her thesis. I don't know if I could well, share her thesis, but <laughs> probably not. There's there's this idea that like early on in our lives, we were kind of wired to naturally know how to make direct requests, mm-hmm. and they were shut down. We were mm-hmm. shut down, right? And we learned pretty quickly that that wasn't going to be the way to get our needs met and to keep the family system intact. Yep. Running. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so we started doing other things. Like we, we learned to. Mm-hmm. Um, Go around sideways. Yeah. Um, get really manipulate, angry. Manipulate. manipulate. Like mm-hmm. a lot of different things. Right. Or mm-hmm. we just learned that we held it in and we, you know, our needs weren't important or. Right. Right. Learn, learn to treat our needs as not important. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Right. learned not to speak up because it was, it was often dealt with in a power over system. So I don't know. Do you guys know Kim John Payne? Yeah. He's, he's no. a lovely parenting coach okay. guy. He's written so many books and I think he has a simplicity really parenting, simplicity parenting. And I think yeah, he has cool. a really lovely view in his developmental model of how to do power with parenting. Okay. That has lots of boundaries for children. Mm. I'm, I'm thinking I'm like scanning his model from what I know of it. No. Right. So thinking about moving through um, the governor phase and then the gardener phase and then the guide phase mm-hmm. in each, in each phase. So for anybody who doesn't know his work quick, 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 cause we're yeah. already making the longest podcast we've ever made. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, his, his model just says, Hey, at different, if for different times in a child's life, they need a different kind of parent to show up because they developmentally change. So the type of, of guidance they need at different times of development shifts. And so in the governor phase, which is all the way through like age seven to nine, somewhere mm-hmm. in there. Yeah. Around nine years um, old. Yep. Um, that phase is very uh, authoritarian parenting. Mm-hmm. So clear boundaries here are the directive, rules. I would think directive. Yeah. And, but also clear. With lots of freedom. It's super clear. clear. It's clear. clear. It's clear without a lot of stuff around and lots and lots of freedom and, and, but within really tight boundaries and those boundaries are held very firmly with a lot of kindness. So like I was talking to him not too long ago and he said something about um, like, Oh, well, what if a little one came in and said, their little brother is stupid. You know, the parent might drop down on the ground with them and say, you know what? That word is unkind. And in our, in our house, we do not use words that are unkind. Mm -hmm. So let's not say that. So it's not about power over. Don't you do that? Right. It's Mm -hmm. coming down, being on the same level, but being very clear, very boundary about it. Mm -hmm. And then, and then later on, it changes to the gardener who is, asking a different kind of question and helping growth in a different kind of way. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And letting the little seeds bloom as they will a little bit more on their own. So the, the boundaries around that change, but it's very much a power with parenting model, but with still having a gardener in charge. And then it moves on to guide in the teenage years. Anyway, for anybody who wants to check him out, I highly recommend Kim John Payne. But I think this is this, how does this tie in with what you were saying about Bonnie's work is so many of us were raised with power over parenting. So what that means is in the little seed of relationality that we were born with, 
when we did direct request, we were probably shut down in some way. And so when you even think about doing it, it's going to be, feel vulnerable. It's going to feel scary. It's going to feel like, oh no, I don't, I don't have a lot of maps for this working out very well Mm -hmm. for me. And all of those are going to be in your implicit C just riding under, you're just walking on that psychological floor of, I don't think directional press worked that well. And so if I'm going to do the thing that, that we are recommending, you will face fear and awkwardness when you do it. Yes, probably. And sometimes we show that by demanding and getting really angry rather than making a direct request. And sometimes we show that by not saying anything at all. Can we give a huge plug to the amazing space that awkwardness can take up in intimacy? I love awkwardness. <laughs> awkwardness, I think, awkwardness. is something that so many people are afraid of, especially yes. when they're learning new skills. And mm-hmm. I think it's our biggest gift. Mm-hmm. It's like, I just want to encourage, if there's one more skill we throw in here, other than direct requests for our listeners, it's mm-hmm. permission to be awkward. Permission. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. You know, it's like learning anything new. Think of this as like a new language. To, if you're going to move your relationship to pow, from power over to power with, mm-hmm. you are going to speak a brand new language mm-hmm. every single day. And if you were learning a brand new language, you would get most of the words wrong when you were trying to figure mm-hmm. out how to pronounce them. Mm-hmm. It's going to be kind of like that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I, I think we could probably go on and on about this conversation and maybe other listeners will send us more questions so we can, but I think we should end this here so that we kind of keep to our promise of keeping brief episodes. I love it. Mm -hmm. So if you are in a space where you feel like your partner is not noticing things around the house, our recommendation is direct notice. Just ask them to notice and maybe they will and maybe they won't and it'll feel awkward and then you'll work it out. Keep dialoguing. Mm -hmm. Thanks for listening. Take care, guys. Bye-bye. That wraps up this week's episode. Join us again next week for another Why Does My Partner? We hope that you continue to listen wherever you get your audio and that you'll follow the show. To go deeper, join us at our boot camp. You'll find the next date at whydoesmypartner.com. We want to tell you more about our sponsor, Therapy Wisdom. Jules is one of their amazing educators, and you can also find teachers like Janina Fisher, Bessel van der Kolk, Deidre Fay, and Akila Riley Richardson, plus a bunch of people you might not have heard of, but will definitely want to start following once you take their courses. And because you listen to us, the Therapy Wisdom team is offering a secret code to give you free access to one of my one-hour wise conversations. Use the code WDMP at checkout. If you're a licensed therapist, coach, healer, or someone who's invested in doing the deep work of personal healing and want to learn about topics like neurobiology, supporting trauma healing, incorporating intersectionality and somatic work, then this is the place for you. Discover some of the most heart-led and quality courses available in a community of people who are invested in spiritual growth, equity, inclusion, and developing expert-level clinical skill. Visit therapywisdom.com or click the link in the show notes and use the WDMP discount code.
Thanks, Therapy Wisdom. We love you.